Okay, by raise of hands, who has ever gotten pulled over by a police officer for breaking the speed limit or whatever it is, okay? Okay, now, raise your hand if you've never gotten pulled over before. It's like a 10-year-old or how old, how old you are. Like, I don't know how old you are, but, you know, of course you're not driving, but... Okay, now listen, you, you're either just so perfect <laughs> or you're just flat out lucky. Okay, that's what I think you are. I'm going to give you an analogy for all of us, you know, sinning drivers over here um, <laughs> that you probably won't relate to, but everyone that's, you know, not perfect like, like me, you can relate. So I just have never, you know, I've actually gotten better now. I'm, pretty, I'm really proud of myself, but now I'll, like, knock on something because I'll probably get pulled over next week. But at one point... In my younger years, I had 18 points on my driving record. Now, that's not like a pastor, like, embellishment number thing here, okay? This is, like, legit. Uh, I mean, I was just a cop magnet, man. They just always were pulling me over. And then, so then in my mid-20s, I was trying to clear up my record. You know, so much time goes by. It's like these insurance bills were killing me. And um, so... I was at this time, I was traveling with, I was in a band and stuff, and we were like, we had the trailer and the truck, and we were trying to get to this show, and we were late, and they were like sound checking, and people were coming, the crowds were there, and I'm like, we got to get there, and there was traffic, and so I'm moving around, flying through, and sure enough, I'm like, shoot, I can't get a ticket, I'm like, we got to get to the show too, so I don't want to get a ticket, and we got to get to the show, so I told my friends, I said, listen, just follow my lead. Okay, now listen, I don't recommend this. This is not right, okay? <laughs> so, you know, you know, two hands on the steering wheel always, right? right? And, and, you know, they come, and the windows roll down. I'm like this, and I'm like, officer, <coughs> I'm so sorry. I know I was speeding. He's like, what is wrong with you? I'm like, I'm going to grab my pants. <laughs> i got to get to the bathroom, man. I just, I really got to go. And I'm like, and he's looking at me like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah, I really got to go. And it's just like right there. And he's like, all right, get out of here. And he let me go. <laughs> we're like the band in the car. We take off. We're like, are you kidding? It's like we won the Super Bowl. I mean, like just the freedom we felt. Okay. Now again, again, I don't recommend that. That was wrong. I shouldn't have lied to the police. You never want to do that. Okay. But that feeling, you know, when you get pulled over and they give you grace and you drive off, you know that feeling. It's just the most amazing feeling of freedom. Unbelievable. My son's like, I don't know if he's ever heard that story. He's probably like, Dad, did you really do that? Okay, don't ever do that, son. Okay, sorry, see you in the back. Um, so that's what we're talking about today, this idea of freedom. And, 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 and we're going to be talking about as we continue, we're going to be landing the... the um, the, the chapter, chapter eight today, we've been in this chapter for three weeks. We're finally going to end this chapter and we're going to be talking about maybe some things that we need to be freed from uh, and the feeling of that freedom. And maybe there's some things in your life that you need to be freed from today that you don't even realize you need to be freed from today. And whether you're a Jesus follower today or not, we're just so glad you're here because some of these things, whether you're following him or not, can really bring you some hope and, and purpose to your life if you'd allow yourself to be freed of these specific things. So uh, I, I want to pray as always before we dive into God's truth and then we will begin. So Father, thank you so much for your word. It's incredible that you feed us, that you care for us, that you strengthen us, that you challenge us, 
You help us move towards you. You uh, expand our minds of who you are. It's just like you're never ending. It's just that the well of you just never ends. It's unbelievable. So thank you for your word. Guide us. Get me out of the way. May your word speak to each one as you have spoken to me this week. And I pray this in the power of your son's name, Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. All right. So, hey, uh, open up your Bible, open up your journal, uh, give your neighbor a fist pump. Just say, let's do this. Come on, let's go open this up. Uh, John chapter eight. Uh, again, we're continuing a conversation. I'm not going to give you a bunch of background because I got a lot to say today. Uh, so uh, but remember, it's, it started off with with um, Jesus, uh, with a group of Pharisees trying to trap him. And they bring this woman who was caught in, in adultery. Then we moved on to him talking about how he was the light of the world. And the conversation continues with these Pharisees that are trying to trap Jesus. And here's how this, the, this conversation continues and ends. It says this. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. That's right. The truth will set you free. This is a reminder of this amazing truth that once you put your trust and faith in Jesus, then naturally we will want to abide in his word, that we will want to abide in his ways and in his truth. And so this is kind of a kick in the butt to our one of our seven mile markers that on those green cards, that's our vision to help us move towards God, those seven key mile markers and our daily encounter. And notice it's a daily encounter. Not a weekly encounter, not a monthly encounter, but it's a daily encounter. As we talk about going extra this year, one of our key things that we're going to be going extra as a church family this year is, is pushing the amount of our daily encounter and, and taking that to the next level. That's why we created this giant ear out in the lobby uh, to remind us to, to write down some things as we go through our week. What did we hear from God? And then we write those verses down as an encouragement to one another. In fact, I grabbed one off this uh, um this morning from Psalm 62, eight, someone wrote, trust in him at all times. You people pour out your hearts to him for God is our refuge. And they underlined all right. Trust in the Lord, not just sometime, not just once in a while, but at all times in every situation. And so, uh, but the problem is, is I think if you're a Jesus follower, you know, the importance you've heard the importance of having a daily encounter and hearing from God, talking to him, reading his word, but we're distracted. Does anyone get distracted in their daily encounter? That's right. Devin does. Okay. We all do. Right. So we need to have freedom from our distractions. That's the first one. Maybe today you need some freedom from your distractions. I don't know what distracts you. Maybe it's your sleep that distracts you. Maybe it's your phone that distracts you. Maybe it's your kids that distracts you. I don't know what distracts you from your daily encounter, but identify the distraction and do something about it. So maybe for you, sleep is a distraction for you. So I remember I used to set an analog, you know, old school, not, not, not digital, but an alarm on the other side of the room just to wake my butt out of bed. Uh, you know, maybe your phone is distracting you. Well, then get it out of the area, put it on silent. Uh, I know sometimes I, I've been recently, um, you know, putting these app limits on my specific apps so I'm not like wasting time and distracted so I can be spending more time hearing from God. That's game changer. I think about kids. I remember, especially when our kids were all littles, you know, in diapers and stuff. And, you know, with my daily encounter, I always wanted things to be just so. Anyone like that? You just want it to be perfect. You wake up, you know, you find that spot, that chair. You know, the temperature's got to be right. Get the nice cup of coffee. I like to set a little vibe music on. No, no words, just instrumental. 
get everything set, open up God's word. And it's just like, come on, let's do this. And then they wake up. <laughs> I need this. I need that. And you're just like, what the heck? You know, you're messing my time up, you know? And then I'll never forget one of my mentors just said, hey, listen, don't think of it as a mess up. Like that right there, use it. And parents, just a reminder that one of the greatest gifts you can give your kids is them watching you do your daily encounter. Let them crawl on your lap. Invite them into the process. I know it's not going to be perfect, but it's just better. That's the season you're in right now, and they need to see you in God's word and talking to him. So don't let that be the distraction. Invite them into that moment with you. So I don't know where you might need uh, to uh, be freed uh, from distractions in your daily encounter, but what is that distraction? Write it down and make a shift this week when it comes to your daily encounter. Then it continues. It says this, uh, they answered him, well, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say that you will become free? You will become free. How is it that you say you will become free? So what Jesus is saying right here is very insulting to them. He's basically saying, you guys are a bunch of slaves and you need to be freed from your bondage of slavery. They're thinking like, who the heck do you think you are? We're not slaves. We are God's chosen people. We're not slaves. Then they take it a step further. So they're like knocking on Jesus, like, hello, Jesus, are you there? We're not slaves. Then they literally say to Jesus, they literally say, we've never been enslaved to anyone, which I know Jesus is probably thinking, seriously, uh, have you forgotten? Up to this point, they've been enslaved by seven different mighty nations, Assyria, Babylon, not to mention literally they're being controlled by the Roman government at this point. Also not to mention we're celebrating the festival of tabernacles, which was celebrating the fact that they were rescued from slavery from the Egyptians. I bet you Jesus was like, hello, is anyone in there? And they were just literally denying the, like, the reality of what was right in front of their face. And they were denying the reality of what had happened in their past which stopped to make me think that one of the other things sometimes we need to be freed from is we need to be freed from, if you're taking notes, our denial. I'm giving you five Ds today, all right? You're welcome for that. That's what, that's what we like to do, just so you'll always remember, okay? So freedom, first, from your distractions. Secondly, freedom from your denial. Freedom from your denial. It can be so easy for us to get trapped up into this trap or to this bondage of denial in so many different areas of our lives. I talk to many different couples and marriages that might be struggling and they're like, like one party is like, yeah, our communication is great. And the other one's like, are you kidding me? We haven't talked in a month. You know, what are you talking about? Like our communication is broken right now. But the other couple, the other part is in complete denial. Maybe it's something with some type of addiction that, that you have. I, I, I mentioned earlier about my, my phone. I put a, an app limit on my mail app. I didn't realize how addicted I was to checking my mail. I mean, I had to get that thing down to zero all the time, you know, and, and just, um, that a whole concept of just, Sometimes we can be in denial of what we're addicted to. And maybe that can be an addiction that you might have with alcohol, or that could be an addiction with gambling, or addiction with pornography, or addiction with you fill in the blank. Sometimes we can just live in denial and not face the reality of like, yeah, I really got a problem, and I got to do something about it. Or I, I think about just the denial of us stepping into the afterlife. I talk to so many people that are just like, well, it is what it is. And we'll see what happens when we get there. And not willing to face the reality that all of us are going to have to face the reality that every knee will face, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. We all are going to, in the end, have to face Jesus. You can't escape it. But sometimes we can just live in the denial 
of our afterlife, we're like, well, I guess we'll just see what happens. Maybe there's an area that you're trapped in right now where you're just kind of denying it. And this might be a little bit of a wake-up call. I think this is a wake-up call that Jesus was trying to get their attention. And maybe this is a wake-up call for you to stop living in denial and face the reality of what you're dealing with. Then Jesus answered them. He said this, truly, truly. And you'll notice when Jesus says truly, truly, that was another way of saying, listen up. This is really important, okay? Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. Then he contrasts it and he says, the son remains forever. Then he says this, so if the son sets you free, if the son sets you free, I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my world finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. So if the son sets you free, it says you will be free indeed. Freed from what? Freed from the slavery of sin that equals death. And so that's the next one. Some in this room, you might need to be freed from your death. For the wages of one sin, Romans 6, equals death. And then notice the contrast that he makes between the son and the slave. The slave has no rights. The son has all the rights in the world. The slave has no inheritance, but the son has all the inheritance. The slave... Its master is sin. The son has a father that it leans into. Such a major, massive contrast between the son and the slave. This is a big, big deal. How are we freed by Jesus, the son of God, to free us from this death because of our sin? The only thing that can free us, 2 Corinthians 5.21, just a reminder if you're taking notes, for God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for us. And he was the perfect offering, the perfect sacrifice so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Have you received the free gift of the son to free you from the sin problem that we all have <coughs> that's trying to destroy you eternally? Have you been freed? You can only be freed by that, by your belief. So now here's how they answered this. Here's how they answered Jesus. They said, well, Abraham's our dad. And Jesus said to them, well, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. Notice this. They're leaning into their faith based off of Abraham. This is a good reminder that your faith has to be your own. Your faith can't be your parents. Your faith can't be your grandparents. Your faith can't be your city group leader. Your faith can't be your student leader. Your faith literally has to be your own. Let me remind you of this truth, Romans 10. Notice, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Notice the ownership. Notice it has to be personal, your own faith. So then they keep walking in denial, and then they start attacking Jesus verbally. Check this out. They said, you're doing the works, uh, you're doing the works your father did, they said to him. 
we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. And then, you know what I noticed about this? It says that we were not born of sexual immorality. You know what that also means? Talking trash about Jesus' mama. Think about it. They're literally talking trash about your mama. Literally calling Jesus' mom Mary like a whore, right? So I don't know about you, but if someone started to talk trash about my mama, I'm not going to react like Jesus reacts, okay? He, he still stays humble, but then he gets a little more bold. I probably would have not been so humble if someone talks to my mama like that, okay? So here's how Jesus responds. Check this out. He says, Jesus said to them, if God were your father, he gets bold here, you would love me. For I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. Then he says this, you are of your father, the devil. You call my mama this, I'm going to call your daddy this. (laughs) Now, (laughs) Jesus wasn't talking about their earthly dads. Jesus was talking about their spiritual dads. It's a big deal. He says, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell you the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. He literally says, your spiritual dad is not Abraham. Your spiritual dad is the devil. Wow. Are you following the father of lies, the devil, or are you instead following the father of truth? We talked about this a lot last week about how the world is demonic and it's ruled by Satan, by the devil. And it's like literally the world has lost its mind. I mean, it's just completely off of the truth and is completely absorbed by the lies. And so here's the question for you. Who's your spiritual father? Is it the devil, the father of lies or the father of light, of truth? And I say this with all love and respect but I just need you to know clearly that there's only two options for your life. You either foul the father of truth. If you don't, the default is you're following the father of lies, the devil. And so some of you might need to be freed from your devil today. And I say that with love. I say that with just, just love to you to just hear me out. There's really no option. And then I would just want to ask is if you are not following the father of truth, aren't you sick of the father of lies? Aren't you sick of what he's been bringing you towards and bringing you to lie after lie, let down after let down? I mean, aren't you sick of it? You know, I think it's interesting how our world, you know, when you think about like, for instance, you know, in the last couple of years, we have some of our cities in, in, in America that have been like, you know what, we're just going to be free and we're going to do whatever we want. No government, no police, do all the drugs you want. So we're going to do our thing. It's like freedom. All lies. And then all of a sudden, 
They're looking around. The streets are filled with chaos. There's no order. Just filled with hopelessness. And then everyone's thinking, wait a second. (laughs) We've been duped. I don't know if I like this anymore. And it reminded me how all throughout history, you know what the devil does? He's really sneaky with how he works to lie to us and deceive us. He's so good at it. He's so good at it that oftentimes he overplays his hand. The enemy always overplays his move. And then all of a sudden people are like, wait a second. You know what? I thought I wanted this, but this isn't good for me. This isn't good for my family. This isn't good for my neighborhood. This isn't good for my state. This isn't good for my country. This just isn't good. We, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sick of this and I want truth. And I truly believe we're on the cusp right now where the devil has overplayed his hand with all the culture war stuff that's been going on. And everyone's kind of stepping back and be like, you know what? This is not what I want for my family. I want truth. Give me truth. And I feel like we're literally living in that right now. And so, stop serving the father of lies. He'll, he'll just bury you and start serving the father of truth. And so then the Jews answered him, continues, are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan? Which, by the way, when you say that to someone in that culture, that was like dropping a bad word on someone. And have a demon? Then they literally call God in the flesh a demon. Check that out. And then Jesus answered them, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. So they're trash talking him. And then Jesus continues, says, yeah, I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it and he is the judge. Then he says again, notice, truly, truly pay attention. I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. So there they are again, calling him a demon again. Abraham died as did the prophets. Yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died? Answer is yes. Are you greater than the prophets who died? The answer is yes. Who do you make yourself out to be? Then Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my father who glorifies me of whom you say. He is our God, but you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it, and it was glad. Now, I'm running out of time, but there's a whole amazing study on this because it says, notice, he saw it, and it was glad, meaning that Abraham, so he's literally 2,000 years prior, saw Jesus. What does that even mean? Again, there's, there's so much here. I don't have time to, uh, there, there's, there's thoughts that this could be like Melchizedek was a priest back then in Genesis 14, that literally that could have been God in the flesh, the pre-incarnate Jesus there, uh, cause he was both the king and the priest and he didn't have a genealogy. That's a crazy thing. Uh, there's also this idea that history is always pointed towards Jesus and the future is always pointing towards Jesus. And Abraham was seeing and foreshadowing what was to come and he was welcoming it. Like when his one and only son finally came, when Isaac finally came, the long-awaited Isaac, and then Isaac was being sacrificed on the altar and carried his own wood, seeing and foreshadowing how Jesus would model that exact same thing. Anyways, I don't have time to go into that. I know I just gave you a little bit of that. If you want, it's a fascinating study uh, that you can look up for yourself. So then, last section of, the, of, our, of, our, of our text, and we finish up chapter 8. It says this, So the Jews said to him, 
you are not yet 50 years old. And have you seen Abraham? And then check this out. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, there it is. Pay attention. Wake up. Before Abraham was. Say it with me. One more time. I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. I said this last week and I said it. I'm going to say it again. Circle I am right there. And because a lot of times in our English translations, this just gets lost. What Jesus was declaring right here was the great title of God. Ego Amy in Greek. And in Hebrew, that's Yahweh. This is back in Exodus chapter 3 when God goes to Moses to tell him, I need you to go and free my people from Egypt, from slavery. And Moses says to the burning bush, well, who do I say? The bush told me to go? No, no, no. I am that I am. The great I am. The great I am. But now here's the deal. They doubted that. They doubted that he truly was God, that Jesus truly was God. In a room this size, most likely, odds are, there's many of you in this room, if you're honest, that you doubt if Jesus truly is God. Like, how do we know if he truly is God? And maybe today you need some freedom from your doubt. Um, this past week, um, or a couple weeks ago, I was uh, hanging out with my son, Tristan. He gave me permission to share this. And 13, and he says, Dad, he said, do you ever doubt your faith? I said, yes, and I've, I've been on a journey my whole life. And he said to me, he said, that's a really great question. He says, what if we got it wrong? What if Jesus isn't really God? And so Pastor Travis kind of wanted to just like give him all the proof and evidence. But I took my pastor hat off and I put my dad hat on and we just sat in the truck. And I was just like, that's a really good question, son. And we just kind of sat in that moment. And um, I thought it'd be good for us to sit in this moment together because I think maybe if you're honest, some of you, that's where you're at. And I just want you to know it's so, so important to wrestle with your doubt. You have two choices when doubt comes to your surface. You either ignore it or you investigate it. If you ignore it, doesn't really do anything for you. But if you investigate it, it has the ability to start your faith or strengthen your faith. So keep investigating it. And so we kind of just sat there and I was like, okay, well, what's the alternative? If we, if, if we got it wrong, okay, if, if this side is Jesus truly is God, we believe in him, everlasting life, he's our savior, okay. What's the alternative in the afterlife? We all die. We're all going to die someday. What happens next? What's the alternative to the way of Jesus? The alternative 
based off of some other religions or world religions or world values or thinking is you just cease to exist. You just don't exist anymore. You're just done. It's over. The thought of your name, the thought of what's going on in your soul and spirit is just gone, erased, done, forever. Others, it's you'll come back as a butterfly. Be flapping around everywhere. Okay? Or based on your behavior, that will determine what your afterlife will be like. And you'll be judged based on your behavior of kind of how it all plays out. So that's kind of your alternative. But then I asked, well, what if we're right? Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. And then he continues to say that in order to come to the Father through me, it's through our belief in him. He says, for all who believe in me will not perish, but will have everlasting life. So if we're right, that means that we're guaranteed with our belief to have an eternal paradise with our creator. And then if we don't believe, then we will have an eternal life of pain without our creator perishing. So option A or option B? Now, as a simple business person, which one are you going to take? What do you got to lose? Now, this is way bigger than just a business deal. This is our eternity on the line. But not to mention all of the evidence that now you can stack on this option that Jesus truly is who he said he was. So there's so many pieces of evidence that we can walk through. I'm just going to give you one that we just read. Okay? John 8, 58 and 59. Actually, go back there, Judy. It says, pay attention. Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am, declaring that he's the great I am. And then it says that they picked up stones to throw at him. Now, here's the deal. Many people will say that Jesus didn't really think he was God. He didn't mean that. He was just saying that, like, he was, like, you know, influenced by Abraham. He wasn't really claiming to be God. That's not true. Father of lies. And the reason why we know this is that back in that culture, it's really interesting, back in that culture, there was only two times in that culture where you could stone someone publicly without a trial. The first instance is if someone is caught in the act of adultery. Remember the beginning of chapter 8, where the woman is caught in adultery. They were about to stone her, and then Jesus stopped it and said, whoever, whoever has no sin, go ahead and throw the first stone. So all the stones dropped. The second instance that you can publicly stone someone without a trial is if someone claimed equality with God. And then notice the critics of Jesus started picking up stones to try to stone him and kill him. So the critics of Jesus believed that he was saying that he was the great I am. That's why they started to stone him. So just one piece of evidence that Jesus truly is the great I am.
What type of doubt do you have? Now, this is my last thought here. This got me this week. So, in the beginning of chapter 8, the woman over here who was caught in the act of adultery, she was sinning, she was sinful, and they were supposed to stone her. But she wasn't stoned. The guilty, the sinner, was kept from being stoned. Okay? Then we close this chapter. We bookend it. And now you've got a perfect, non-guilty man who's claiming to be God. And he's got stones coming at him. They're literally trying to stone him to death. Do you see the contrast? Sinner doesn't get stoned. The innocent starts getting stoned. And then God made me think, I was thinking, you know, sometimes you think, why would they stone him? Like, what a bunch of, why would they start chucking stones at Jesus? How dare they? And then God grabbed my mind to say, you were a stone thrower. Because of your sin, Travis, you were chucking stones at me. And so were you. Every single one of us in this room are stone throwers because of our sin, chucking stones to kill Jesus that led all the way to him being crucified on a cross. I have blood on my hands. And so do you. All of us have blood on our hands for killing the great I am. That'll make your head hurt. But check this out. Three days later, Jesus rises from the dead and conquers sin and death once and for all, giving us the ability to be forgiven of our sins once and for all. And so the moment that we put our trust and faith and belief in him, it's like he's taking the stone of sin out of our hands. And so I am no longer a stone thrower of Jesus because of my belief. What about you? Your belief in Jesus takes the sin, takes the stones out of your hands. But if you don't believe, and I'll do respect, you're still chucking stones at Jesus. But it doesn't have to be that way. And so if you've never put your faith in Jesus, if you've lived your whole life in doubt and you're like, you know what, enough's enough, today's the day, something's happening, I'm feeling like, I, okay, it's connecting, the puzzle pieces are connecting, I want to believe in Jesus. I'm done serving the father of lies. I want my king to be the father of truth. Then I want to give you that opportunity to receive him in your life through your belief. And so let's just pray together. Just every head bowed out of respect and every eye closed. If that's you today, if you just say, you know what, Travis, I am done serving the father of lies. I want to be freed from the death of my sin. I no longer doubt. I believe that Jesus truly is God. If that's you, then I'm going to lead you through just a prayer of confession to him. And so just in the quietness of your heart, just say, 
Heavenly Father, forgive me. Forgive me for my sin. Just say that. I no longer want to follow the father of lies. I'm sick of it. I want to follow the foul. I want to follow the father of truth. Thank you for dying for me. Man, thank you for rising again for me. I believe you, Jesus, are God. And then say this right now, I receive you, Jesus, to be the king and Lord of my life. As we continue to keep praying, if you truly like own that for yourself, then embrace this truth that you are free. The son has set you free from the penalty of sin. He has set you free. You will no longer perish, but you now have everlasting life. And he's also given you the gift of his spirit now that lives inside of you as your helper, as your advocate, as your guide. It's unbelievable. He goes before you. Embrace that. Hold on to that. Father, we love you so much. Thank you so much for being a God that loved us so much, that made a way for us. Thank you for even having the idea to create us, to be in right relationship with you. You're so good. We love you. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. Hey, can we give it up for those today for the first time are free indeed because Jesus has set them free. Amen. 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 That's so exciting. We want to invite you to stand with us as we close out our service. And, and as we close out our service, if you made a decision to be free from the first time, I just want to encourage you to tell someone. You can let us know. We just want to celebrate this move in your life. And uh, we're just a church, a bunch of imperfect people striving to move towards God. We'd love to help you along that journey.